It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is Sean Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campy Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you use that tip link and you support the show and you sent us these fun topics, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too awful long to get them answered. So what we do is we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos and it is sunday ladies and gentlemen i was watching some football today i went to the santa anita horse races day i've never been to the horse races went there today that was a lot of fun we've got the john campy show coming tomorrow don't forget it's at the 10 a.m pacific standard time new start time for those of you watching there so we got a few questions to get caught up on before we roll into tomorrow's show so why don't we get started with that and we'll start with this we're going to start getting caught up here with dangerous d who writes I saw the Robin test footage made by Jamie Costner. That's, of course, the Robin Williams, not Batman and Robin, the Robin Williams scene that Jamie Costa that like took over the Internet by storm uh, last week made by Jamie Costa. I heard about this video from you during your show, so I immediately watched it. And man, Jamie really looks like Robin Williams. He is amazing. If there's going to be a biopic movie on Robin, Jamie should be the list. Um Listen, I, as a matter of fact, I know Jamie. Jamie's a wonderful guy. I mean, I don't know him super well, but, you know, I've, I've met and hung around Jamie a little bit. We used to have him into the offices to do some things before. And he's just a delightful, wonderful dude. And yeah, that Robin Williams video he made was awesome. That being said, I will admit I don't actually know. And I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if Jamie's that good of an actor or not. I, I'm not saying he isn't. Let's be very clear. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm saying I don't know. I've never really seen him. I seen him do some sketch stuff, but I really don't know if he can act. Although that little video he made with the Robin Williams thing was great. Although I will say this, and you guys have heard me say this a thousand times, and I don't change my opinion of this just because it happens to be a guy that I really think is great uh, in, in Jamie Costa. But looking like the character you're supposed to be playing to me isn't even in the top five of the most important things you should be looking for. It really isn't. I mean, I go back to Hugh Jackman. Like, Hugh Jackman doesn't look squat like Wolverine, but he's now Wolverine, right? I, that's You need to first and foremost find the best actor possible. That's always the number one thing. It's not about whether they look the part or don't. That's completely irrelevant. Because after about five minutes, the audience doesn't care if they look exactly like the, the person they're playing or not. It's not the most important thing. It's not even the second most important thing. It's not even the third most important thing. It's a consideration, but it's not the biggest consideration. And I don't know. I mean, maybe if they actually brought Jamie in to go through his paces, maybe he does have that talent. Like maybe he's not just a really supernaturally great impressionist and not just a great uh, naturally really funny guy. Maybe he's a fantastic thespian. I, I just, I'm saying I don't know. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't. But that needs to be the number one thing. And I always laugh at our fandom, uh, myself included, when 
It's like, like it, it reminds me of when back when they were going to make uh, Man of Steel and they hadn't cast who Lex Luthor would be yet. And I still remember this was just huge because I remember Billy Zane was shooting something around that time in which he has a shaved head. And like people say, John, I'm seriously, I got hundreds of these messages. John, did you see that picture of Billy Zane with his head shaved? He should be Lex Luthor because his head is shaved. Yeah, look, he looks like Lex Luthor. And it's like, that's what we do. So, I, yeah, it's, to me, it's like looking the part is not really all that important. That's not to say I wouldn't be very happy if we found out Jamie Costa was going to do it. But, you know, I hope it was would be for the right reasons, not just because he can make himself look like Robin Williams. That's all I'm saying. All right. Next up, we go to uh, Ben Rayner, who writes. Hey, John, I hope you like the movies uh, on Thursday night. Of course, I went to two movies on Thursday night. I went to go see Halloween Kills, which I honestly didn't like all that much. Uh, and I love the last Halloween movie, but I didn't like this one. Uh, and then I saw um, uh, The Last Duel with Adam Driver, uh, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jamie Comer. Um, good movie. I, I just didn't like the way it was kind of structured. But at any rate, um, buy one, lose one, rent one. Logan, Batman Begins, Winter Soldier. For me, buy Logan, rent Batman Begins, and lose Winter Soldier. What about you? Well, that's, I mean, this is easy. Um, Logan is in the top three comic book movies of all time list, as far as I'm concerned. So, obviously, that's the buy one. Um, Winter Soldier could possibly be in a top five. Top five, top six, top seven of all time. So, that would be the rent. Uh, I like Batman Begins very, very much, but to me, it's not a top 10, maybe not even a top 15. Like, it's very good. I like it a lot, but I wouldn't even say it's a top 15 comic book movie of all time. So, yeah, that makes it easy. It's Logan, Winter Soldier, and then Batman Begins. All right, next up. Alfred gives birth to Robin writes. One of two. Weird question, but it leads into movies. If the human race was able to live to the age of 200, how different would you think movies would be? Probably not that different at all. Uh, would actors and directors do more projects and not feel the need to retire because they would still be in their prime? Uh, imagine Sean Connery still making Bond into the 2000s. It's just fascinating to think about how many of the newer actors wouldn't get a shot at roles because of older actors still working in their prime. Thanks for entertaining my wild theory. Honestly, I don't think it would make much difference at all. The only difference would be Actors' careers would be longer, but younger actors would still get their shot because even if we live to 200, at some point, they're going to hit an age where they retire and a new generation will come. It may spread out that generational transition a little bit more, but other than that, other than the fact that it changes the timeline a bit, I think everything would be pretty much the same. So eventually, Sean Connery would still retire as Bond and some other the younger actor would then come in and fill his shoes. And then eventually that actor would retire and somebody else would come up. So same thing, just probably spaced out a little bit more. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Alfred. Next up, we got Dangerous D who writes, Hey, John, uh, there was a trailer for Killer Squirrels eight years ago. I remember that. It was supposed to be made into a full movie, but nothing happened. Was this abandoned? Probably. To me, the concept could be interesting. I can imagine this like horror slash comedy and could be a cult classic. Well, anything could be a cult classic. I mean, anything could be a cult classic. And yeah, that could have as well. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, about eight, nine years ago, um, I can't remember which director it was. I think it was a Russian director. I can't remember exactly who it was, but 
made this concept sizzle for this killer squirrels movie. Like, what happens if all the squirrels suddenly turned on humanity and started attacking and murdering humans? And it was a great little sizzle. I haven't watched it in forever. But yeah, that was a lot of years ago. So my only assumption right now, Dangerously, I have no more information on it, but my only assumption is that it was probably abandoned. They probably couldn't come up with a real strong argument to the finance people to convince them that this is something that will make a lot of money. They probably couldn't. So I don't, I don't look, I wanted to see it, but I think at this point it's safe to say it was abandoned, but who knows? Maybe it'll pop its head up again sometime soon. All right. Next up, we've got Christopher Rosado who writes one of three. Hey, John, I got a funny story to tell you. So when infinity war was coming out, I was having, or I was hearing from everyone that captain America is going to die with me being a huge captain America fan. You can understand that got so annoying to hear. Well, my best friend and I were talking about the movie. We're talking about the movie a week before it came out and he brought it up again. So in response, I said something like, well, Spider-Man is going to die knowing that is his favorite character. Fast forward to opening night and Spider-Man got dusted away. My buddy started crying and all I could do was say to him, I was only joking. Worst thing is we were so hyped for the film that we brought that we bought back to back showings in advance. So we had to go through all the emotions again. Another Two and a half hours later. All right. Thanks for saying that in, Christopher Rosado. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. And that is a funny story. But here's the thing. That I don't understand why anybody would cry at that moment in, in uh, Infinity War when Spider-Man, quote unquote, dies. Because we already knew another Spider-Man movie was coming. Like, by the time Infinity War came out, we all knew Spider-Man Far From Home was coming. So we know that other movie is coming. So even if he dies in this one, that death will be very short-lived. Now, that doesn't quite sound right, does it? The death will be short-lived. Yeah, his death was going to be very, very short-lived. We all knew that. So while I very much appreciated Tom Holland's performance of that, I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. While I appreciated that, that performance, it was really good. It never hit me all that hard because it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's he's either going to be alive again by the end of the film or he's going to be alive very, very shortly after that because we got another Spider-Man movie coming. So this is pointless. But again, I'm not taking anything away from the moving emotionality of the scene. I'm just saying that I don't know why it hit anybody all that hard because we all knew he was coming back. So I don't know. That's that's my take on it. All right. Uh, next up. We've got uh, Your Name writes, Did you inadvertently describe your wife as the real-life version of the Asian character on Mythic Quest? For those of you who don't watch Mythic Quest, it's a great show. But yeah, the Poppy, I think that's the character's name, is Pop. They call her Poppy. She's this like hyper-intelligent, super-driven, really well-educated, yet really geeky-to-the-core character. And yeah, I guess in many ways, my wife Anne is my own Poppy, I suppose that's not a bad way to describe it, your name. All right, next up. Uh, Leave it to Beeve writes, with DC Fandom around the corner, and obviously this was sent in on Friday, with DC Fandom around the corner, do you think the Flash movie sets up perfectly for a reboot? New characters moving forward. Uh, excited to see the new direction of the franchise. Have a great weekend and go Vols. Well, I, I mean, what I would have said before and I'll still say now, I don't think they're going to be using this Flash movie to reboot the whole DC universe. That being said, 
if they wanted to reboot the whole DC cinematic universe, this is the movie to do it with. I mean, if you feel you need to do it in movie, because really Warner Brothers can just snap their fingers and say, okay, everything's reset. It's all different now. They don't need to do it in a movie. But if they wanted to do it that way, the Flash movie, considering this is going to be borrowing heavily from the concepts of the Flashpoint storyline, this is the movie to do that with. I don't think that's what they're doing, but it is a possibility. So we'll have to keep our eyes. By the way, I'll just throw, we'll talk more about this on the John Campia show tomorrow. How bad was DC fandom? Like it, as because last year's DC fandom was great. And then them shortening it to just four hours, I think was a great idea. All killer, no filler. Boom, let's go. It was hard to get through. It was hard to get through. Four-hour runtime, about maybe nine or ten minutes of interesting stuff. But hey, at least they had lots of time to talk about Cam Newton's new Superman-branded hats and Dove Soap and Puma clothing. At least had all types of time. To, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that on the John Campy Show tomorrow. Anyway, let's get back over to it here. Uh, ben Rayner writes, Hey, John. Hey, Ben. Uh, just finished watching Old by M. Night. Yep, that was an interesting movie. Uh, so many thoughts on this movie. Weird movie. Good character, uh, good acting, poor script. I think I enjoyed it. Uh, not his worst film, but I wouldn't say up there. So weird. I give it 2.5 out of 5. What are your thoughts on the film, John? I, I Listen, I thought the concept was great. And I was late to watching Old. I didn't watch Old and it's like, over its first week of release. So I didn't watch it until a little bit later on. I thought the performances were very good. I thought the concept was really good. Actually, I was excited to see this movie because I thought the trailers were great. But then people who saw it a little bit earlier than I was going to see it all started telling me it's not all that good and I lost all my enthusiasm, so then I put off watching it. Um, I think the way you described it, Ben, is pretty accurate. It's not, it is not M. Night's worst movie. By a long shot, not by a long shot. It's actually got some significant upside and some some good qualities about it. But at the end of it, I'm like, really? And the little thing at the end with like, I don't want to give anything away, but it's like, oh, it was this all along. Uh, I, yeah, not one of his better ones. Like, it's not like the visit that I immediately wanted to go back and watch again. It wasn't like split that I immediately wanted to go back and watch again. So not bad, but not good either. So that's kind of my take on it. Uh, Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Ben. All right, next up. Uh, we've got Dangerous D writes. Hey, John, Ted Lasso writers Brett Goldstein and Bill Lawrence are doing another comedy series for Apple uh, for Apple TV Plus called Shrinking, starring Jason Segel. I'm looking forward to the show, but knowing that the third season of Ted Lasso would be the finale, I'm sad to see it go. Well, I mean, don't count on that just yet. I mean, recently Bill Lawrence was talking about that, and he was kind of floating out there the idea that there could be a season four of Ted Lasso. They were talking about how it would change. Ted Lasso would probably be coming back to the States. It would probably be an entire new set of supporting characters, which sucks because I want Roy Kent and Keeley, and, you know, I want all these characters back. But I wouldn't count this, I wouldn't count a season four 
of Ted Lasso out just yet. I, I think there's going to be a big push from Apple TV Plus to get another season. And I'm going to guess, I'll say right now, I'm going to guess, just a guess, I'm going to guess we are going to get another season of Ted. I mean, obviously we're getting the third season, but I mean, I'm going to guess we're going to get a fourth. I don't know that. I'm just taking a wild guess. All right, next up. Kylo Ken writes, John, what the actual F is the deal with the Lamb movie? It is a strange looking thing, dude. Uh, this is by far the weirdest trailer I've seen in my life. I've had to sit through this trailer four times now. Thanks, AMC. Uh, but I can't figure out for my life what is the deal with this movie. Listen, I have no clue. Because I'm like, I'm like you too. Like if you remember, me and Rob were talking about it. And... When the trailer came out, we talked about it. I was like, I have, this is just the strangest trailer. I mean, this trailer, and it, might, it may not be an A24 movie, but I, I'd be shocked if it's not an A24 movie because this has all the DNA of an A24 movie. Totally an A24 movie. And I could not tell you anything about this movie from watching the trailers. And it, it gave me no interest to see it. And I still haven't seen it. But, I mean, the trailers really did a good job of convincing me not to see the movie. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that's not what a trailer is supposed to do. A trailer is not supposed to talk you out of seeing a movie. And the lamb marketing completely convinced me not to watch it. And for all I know, maybe if I watch it, it'd be the greatest thing ever. But the trailers, I'm with you, Kyle Kennedy. What the actual F? That's kind of my thoughts every time I, I watch the damn trailer for that. All right, next up. Uh, Safety C writes, hey, John and Rob, obviously Rob's not here right now. I just want to say thank you for doing what you, let me try this again. Just wanted to say thank you for doing what you are passionate about. You bring us moviegoers slash fans together and give us a voice to communicate to you. Well, thank you so much, Safety C. I appreciate it. Listen, one of the reasons I love doing this show and these videos is because it gives me an opportunity to interact with my fellow film fans. And I know Rob feels that way as well. So thank you, man, for saying that. Thank you for the kind words and thank you for being a part of our community, man. I really appreciate that safety. All right. Next up. Safety C also writes one of two. Hey, John and Rob are co-host or nobody. Uh, what do you think if movie promoters adopted a month in advance of pre-order tickets that gave the ability to the first 10 days of a movie's release day. The 10-day window would extend into the second box office weekend. If people are interested in the movie but don't like the seating of the first weekend, they would be able to reserve their seats for a less crowded theater. I think this would help drive ticket sales, break sales records, and help movie fans to plan ahead. I'm going to actually disagree with you on that, Safety C, and here's why. Not many people take advantage of big in advance sales. Like just to to give you uh, 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 some insight into this, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings opened to seventy five million dollars on its opening weekend. Seventy five million dollars on its opening weekend. You know how much money it made on its advanced ticket sales, at least day one of the advanced ticket sales, which is when most of the advanced ticket sales happen? I think it was like $1.6 or $1.7 out of $75 million to the opening weekend. It There's just not a lot of people. Now, there will be other, there will be specific big tentpole event movies like Endgame or Star Wars, where, yeah, we've seen the stories. When the tickets go on sale, it shuts, it breaks the internet. 
websites literally crash from all the people rushing to buy. But that is a very, very rare exception. Very rare exception. So, and listen, if, if by the time you want to buy your tickets opening weekend, if the tickets theaters are all full, all you got to do is wait a few days and then you can order your tickets for the second weekend anyway. There's really, it's not, here's the thing. You're p- proposing a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Let me say that again. You're proposing a solution to a problem that doesn't exist, at least for 99% of the movies out there. So I really don't think it would change things that much. I mean, there'd be no harm in having that either. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you that it's a it's a solution to a, to a problem that doesn't exist. But at the same time, it's not like if they did it, that that would be a problem. I mean, there's nothing bad about doing that. So I don't know. We'll see if that gets adopted more in the future, safety C. I like that you're thinking outside of the box, though, my man. All right. Next up, we got Norman who writes, The Last Duel is an excellent period drama, an allegory on perspective and truth, world-class performances and high-stakes action, makes us a compelling watch from start to finish. Everyone is the hero of their own story and the villains, the villain of another's. True. And I like this movie. I think the story is fantastic. The performances are perfect. They're just fabulous, fabulous performances from everything. Um, Matt Damon, Jodie Comer, they're both fantastic. I loved Adam Driver and Ben Affleck's uh, the dude bromance in the movie. I loved their chemistry together. I thought they were great in it. I loved all of that. My one issue, and remember, overall, I like this film. I give it a thumbs up. I, I In a world of thumbs up or thumbs down, I give... Uh, the last duel, an absolute thumbs up. Uh, that being said, the whole story structure, which does work with some movies, I find didn't really serve this movie all that well. To me, it actually made the movie feel slow, or like really slow at times. And by story structure, for those who haven't seen the movie, it basically breaks the movie into three chapters. The events as seen through Matt Damon's character's eyes, then the events seen through Adam Driver's character's eyes, and then the events as seen through Jodie Comer's character's eyes. And there's unique stuff in each, but an awful lot of overlap as well. Some with some differences on how they was perceived. Some of them didn't really have all that much difference And some of it retold parts of the story in too big of chunks instead of smaller things. And to me, it affected the flow of the movie. As I'm sitting there in the theater watching it, I just felt like the movie had great momentum going. And then it's like, okay, now let's go back and start this again from this person's point of view. And there'd be some very interesting stuff. But again, it just really felt like it disrupted the flow of the movie pretty heavily. So it's kind of what, prevented me from being like over the moon in love with the film to just like, this is a good movie. And it is, it's a good movie that I enjoyed. Y'all should go see it. I'm just saying it's like, it's not going to make it in my probably top 10 favorite films of the year, just because I felt the momentum of the film kept getting stifled and it made it feel to me like the movie dragged a bit at times. But anyway, that was my one complaint about the film almost everything else i really adored all right thanks for sharing your thoughts on that norman appreciate that next up we've got samus and samus writes 
Just wondering if you heard the stunt coordinator of Annihilation and Overlord. By the way, not enough people watched Overlord. Overlord was really fun. Anyway, uh, we'll take over the Marvels, a.k.a. Captain Marvel 2. I'm so excited. It's my most hype as Neo originally pitched it with Galactus, and I can only imagine the scale of the action. I honestly don't know what you're talking about, Samus. Are you talking about that the stunt coordinator is taking over the stunt coordinator duties? Or are you saying the stunt coordinator is suddenly directing the Marvels and Captain... If so, I, it's, I've been too busy to notice. Uh, so I'm not really clear what you're talking about there. So I can't really give too much comment on that. I'll, I'll look that up, though, a little bit later. Interesting. All right. Next up, Suthius writes, As we're nearing Disney Plus Day, which MCU trailers can we expect to see? I think we'll get our second full No Way Home trailer. Where we won't, and I'll tell you why we won't in a second. Followed by a teaser for Multiverse of Madness comes out in March, and perhaps a first look at Thor 4 comes out in May. Thoughts? Well, there's two things. First of all, let's talk about No Way Home. No Way Home's not a Marvel movie. It's a Sony movie. And so I do not think... It's the same reason why I think during the Disney Investor Day meeting, they didn't show any trailer for... Uh, Spider-Man, they really didn't do much about Spider-Man because it's not a Disney movie. It is a Sony movie. And I think we forget that a lot. I think even I, like when I'll talk about Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, like even just the verbiage, you'll hear me saying blah, 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 Disney film, blah, 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 Marvel. But it's, it's actually not a Disney film. It is produced by Marvel, but it is a Sony film. They are the distributors. That means they are in control of all the trailers, of all the marketing, all that stuff. That is all under the discretion and the control of Sony. So I don't expect we're going to see a a Spider-Man trailer at the Marvel Disney Plus Day. I don't think we're going to see that at all. I also don't think we're going to see trailers for Multiverse of Madness. Why? Because it's a movie that's going to the theaters. It's not a Disney Plus thing. I also don't think we're going to get our first look at Thor 4 because it's a movie that's going to theaters. It's not a Disney Plus thing. Now, I don't know that for sure, but it's not called Disney Day. It's called Disney Plus Day. So I suspect, and I I don't know this. I I could be way off on this. This is just me guessing. I'm just saying my guess on this is that since it is Disney Plus Day, it is not Marvel Day, it is not the MCU Day, it is not Disney Pictures Day, it is Disney Plus Day, I think we're going to see everything focus on Disney Plus originals. I think we're going to hear them talking about um, like Secret Invasion. I think we're going to hear them talking about Moon Knight. I think we're going to hear them talking about Obi-Wan. I think we're going to hear them talking about Mandalorian Season 3. I think we're going to hear them talking about a lot of these different things that are going to be Disney Plus originals. So my guess, and again, just guessing, just guessing, it might be right, might be wrong, don't know. I'm not invested in this, but I'm just saying, I think if you're a fan and you're looking forward to Disney Plus Day because you think we're going to get a big look at Thor 4 and you think we're going to get a big look at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I think you might be setting yourself up for disappointment because I honestly don't think they're going to be featuring those things there. And definitely not Spider-Man because that's not even a Disney property. That's a Sony property. But I think they're going to be focused at Disney Plus Day on Disney Plus things. And these things are not Disney Plus originals. 
So again, I don't know that. Let me be very clear. So John Campia said they're never going to show. No, I'm just saying as a fan myself, I just look at it and it's Disney Plus Day, not Marvel Day, not MCU Day, not Disney Movies Day. It is Disney Plus Day. So I think they're going to focus on Disney Plus stuff, uh, original stuff, and that's not what Thor is. That's not what Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is. Certainly not what Spider-Man No Way Home is. So I don't think we're going to be seeing those things, Suthius. I don't think we're going to be seeing those things. You know, this is a good topic. I might bring this up on the John Campy Show tomorrow just to get Rob's point of view on this because maybe Rob will have a different perspective and maybe bring up something that I'm not considering. But anyway, there's that. All right, let's keep moving here. Next up, Andrew writes, Hey, John, longtime fan, first time asking a question. Well, good to have you here, Andrew. Thanks for writing in. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, and I know you've been skeptical of Indy 5. With set photos indicating a time travel element, does this seem more to you an Indy 5 endgame or Indy 5 Genesis situation? Well, remember, by the way, we don't know that that's time travel. Rob and I talked about this on the last show. We don't know that that stuff is time travel. Yeah, we see Roman soldiers. Yeah, we've seen images of Nazis. But for all we know, those are flashback scenes. Those could be flashback scenes. Like, let's say um, the, the MacGuffin of the movie is the remote control of destiny. Okay, let's say, I'm just making this up, but let's say that the big MacGuffin in Indiana Jones 5 is the remote control of destiny. And, you know... Indy tells the story about how the remote control of destiny has been around for thousands of years. Uh, the the Romans sought after it. And then we do flashbacks of Romans fighting over getting the remote control of destiny. And then, you know, even the Nazis, Hitler tried to get that on top of all the other artifacts he was trying to get. And I'm just saying, it could be time travel, but it also could just be flashback stuff. But my sense is this is Indy, Indy 5, Indiana Jones Endgame. This is the last time we're going to see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. And so overall, Andrew, my thoughts, it's an endgame situation. All right, next up. Uh, Cryo writes, here's my theory for Black Panther 2. I don't think they'll kill off T'Challa. Instead, the story will take place between Infinity War and Endgame when his character was snapped away so the story can still focus on his passing. Then they'll recast him. Listen, I would be all for that cryo because you know me i believe the absolute best way to carry on in the mcu and the very best way to honor chadwick boseman is to recast t'challa to pick up the baton and carry on chadwick boseman's legacy that is the best way to honor him that is the best way to carry on with the story the character of t'challa is too important of a character to too many people around the world uh to just let the character die off because the actor who was currently play, played him, sadly and tragically, we we lost one of the great actors today in Chadwick Boseman. But that doesn't mean the character should die. You know, I've said this before. Did they stop? Did they write uh, Professor Dumbledore out of the Harry Potter movies when Richard Chamberlain died? No. The character lives on. You honor Richard Harris uh, I think it's Gambone that picked up the, the the mantle after that by carrying it on, carrying on the work that Richard had put into that character. You honor him that way. You honor the story that way. You honor the character that way. You honor the fans that way. That being said, I do not think that's what they're doing. Kevin Feige, I thought at that Disney Investor Day thing, made it pretty clear they're not recasting T'Challa. They totally should, but they're not. 
So you might be right. This Black Panther 2 could take place. I don't know. It could take place during the time that T'Challa was supposed to be snapped away anyway. But that's, you know, that's not really relevant because Kevin Feige has said we are not recasting T'Challa. Now, Kevin Feige is human. Maybe he can change his mind. I hope he does. But right now, it doesn't seem like a cryo, unfortunately. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. All right. Popcorn, Coke, and a movie writes. Hoping you get to this before seeing Eternals on Monday. It is. It is Sunday. I'm seeing Eternals tomorrow, by the way. Very excited about that. Anyway, every time they've said deviance in the trailers, they show those alien monsters. But something tells me that's a misdirect. Maybe you have some comic knowledge I don't. Are those aliens the deviants? I believe those aliens are the deviants. Or at least a part of the deviants. Because I also believe that creature that we see that has... um, Angelina Jolie all bound up saying, you can't save any of them. I believe that's a deviance as well. I probably believe there are different levels of deviance. But my understanding is those are deviants. I might have a different answer for you, though, after I go and see the movie tomorrow night. So keep your eyes open for that popcorn. All right, next up. Mr. Seal, yo girl. Of course, we were joking about Seal seemed to be getting everybody's uh, dates at the, uh, the Heart of They Fall premiere. Anyway, over under 20%. Disney surprises us all and drops Rogers the Musical during the holiday season or as an extra to Hawkeye. I would love to see something like that Hamilton style. As Mr. Kim would say, Marvel sneak attack. Listen, I am not a big fan of the Hawkeye trailer so far. Mm. And look, I know I'm in the minority. I know everybody else loves them. And I want to love it, but I didn't love it. But that's just the trailers. I'm sure I'm going to like the show. But the one thing I adore that has been in those trailers has been the Rogers the Musical. A Hamilton-style musical show about Steve Rogers. Obviously, it's going to be a small part in the show. But I would love it if Marvel actually did produce that. But you're setting an over-under at 20%. I'd say it's probably closer to 2%. So I will unfortunately take the under on that. And I say unfortunately because I would personally love to see it. All right, next up. We've got Kara Thrace. Little Battlestar Galactica stuff there. All right. Hey, John. I saw The Last Duel and it is one of Ridley Scott's best movies in recent times. I think there will be three Oscar nominations in acting for Ben Affleck as Best Supporting Actor, Adam Driver, probably his Best Lead Actor, and Jodie Comer as Best Lead Actress. Four stars out of five. Screenplay and pacing could have been better. I think the screenplay was great. Again, it just didn't execute all that well for me. I wholeheartedly agree with you on the performances side. I could see one, two, three. Hell, I could even see four. Because you're leaving out Matt Damon. I could see four acting nominations coming out of this movie. Maybe none, maybe four. Uh, I just thought the performances were incredible, and uh, it was just a pleasure to watch that. Uh, Again, especially to me, this really strange dude bromance chemistry between Ben Affleck's character and Adam Driver's character. I, I really ate that up. To me, it was really, really good. All right, next up. Bernard Gayton writes, How is it that we have gotten three Spider-Man films after Doctor Strange 1 and before a Doctor Strange sequel? But 
Let me oh, sorry, let me try it again. How is it that we've gotten three Spider-Man films after Doctor Strange 1 and before a Doctor Strange sequel? But also, it feels like we've gotten a lot of Doctor Strange without getting a lot of Doctor Strange. Small bits in Thor 3, Infinity War and Endgame, and What If. Also, Spider-Man is the bigger IP. I mean, look, it's kind of a fool's errand, Bernard, to be honest. And we all do this. We all do these little fool errand things to compare that. So, wait a minute. How come... You know, since we've had Doctor Strange 1, we've had so many Spider-Man things. Well, because Spider-Man's a different character. Spider-Man is in a different situation. We had two different studios doing them. Like, we up Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. was a Sony thing. Then we had a couple of Spider-Man movies. Yes, but I think... It's if you try to compare franchises like that, especially franchises under the same umbrella, then you can come up with a ton of things like that. And so... It's not even really worth worrying about. It's not worth worrying about or speculating about either. But again, Spider-Man is under three different situations. Because I believe, I mean, I could be wrong. Let me look this up. But I believe, uh, hold a second. Doctor, uh, let me try this again. Doctor Strange release date. Let me see when that was. That was October 20th, 2016. So yes, uh, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, well, of course I know the release date. Uh release date. It was after that. It was in 2018. I should remember that because I actually went to the world premiere of Doctor Strange with John Schnepp, and I remember the first thing I thought coming out of Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse was, oh my God, Schnepp would have loved this. Anyway, um, so yeah, and listen, you're in a very crowded MCU. They're going to make the movies when they fit their overall story. And if they need a Spider-Man movie to push the overall story of the MCU moving forward before they need another Doctor Strange movie, and that's what they're going to do. Hmm. So I really wouldn't worry about it, Bernard. I really wouldn't worry about it. Anyway, next up, we've got Biggie the Legend writes. I heard that they are working on a second trilogy of Spider-Man. That's that's all nonsense. I heard that they are working on a second trilogy of Spider-Man with Tom Holland, which is going to take him into his college years with a cast and a new set and everything. And I also hear there's a rumor that Sony and Marvel Studios are making a new deal to bring Spider to bring Venom into the MCU. Yeah, Biggie the Legend. Look, I'll tell you exactly where you heard that, and I tell you this as as my film loving brother. You heard that from Gus's movie reviews, GasStation.Fart. That that you can just ignore those bullshit rumors. Just just ignore those rumors. Those are not coming from legitimate news sites. That's not coming from Variety, um, the Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, The Wrap, Coming Soon, um, or any legitimate news site. No legitimate news site is saying that. So don't even worry about that. It's all bullshit. Anyway, BK Dan writes. John and Rob, it was the bell that the Nazis were supposedly losing, uh, using in the Black Forest in 44 to go back in time to change history. I didn't know anything about that. That's a pretty interesting little detail there, BK Dan. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this installment of the companion video. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, all the other questions that have been sent in after that were done after uh, Friday's show was done. So we'll get back on those and start addressing those on tomorrow's John Campia show. But listen, guys, a big thank you to all of you guys who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campia show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, once again, don't forget to join us for the John Campia show tomorrow. That'll do it for, for me now, guys. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>